We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. On today's show, four impending free agents signed extensions with their teams and avoided some off-season drama. Uh, we're also going to preview the first round of the playoffs because they're finally here. And last but certainly not least, we're going to talk about some picks for sixth player of the year. Cal, are you ready? So ready. Let's do it. All right. Our headline of the week. Um, we could have had some drama with some of the discourse in terms of impending free agents this coming offseason, but... A lot of them just signed extensions with their team. So the four players that we're going to talk about today, Jewel Lloyd, Kalia Copper, Benajah Laney, and Kayla McBride. Um, we'll start with Jewel Lloyd. She signed an extension with the Seattle Storm um, for two years through the 2025 season. The first year per reporting from BTRL is $241,984. And then in 2025, it will be $249,032. Um, first of all, Oh, wow. <laughs> Those are crazy numbers, like in such a good way, of course. Um, and it, let's look at the context for her, like signing with the Seattle Storm, because there were a lot of questions um, kind of surrounding, like, are they going to be able to keep Jewel? Is Jewel going to be the face of this team in this post Sue Bird era? And they did it. So, like, Cal, what were your kind of initial gut reactions on her signing that extension? Well, it's so great for Seattle, obviously, because this is your your cornerstone now that you lost, like you said, Stewie and Bird. And you have so many young pieces around her. Jordan Horston, uh, Dulce Fankin, Men Giadu, Jade Melbourne. We've talked about all these on this, this show before. And you're in the lottery, so you're going to add at least one more new young piece, probably a good one this coming year. Having someone like Jewel, who's a veteran but still in her prime, around to both on the court, just kind of be that leader and also off the court mentor some of these young players as they go through some of those growing pains, I think is just huge for this franchise uh, and for really them sort of getting back to contention sooner rather than later. 
Yeah. Um, and you did kind of touch on that, how like she's leading the way. We got the draft lottery coming up, like the draft coming up soon, this next coming year, which is going to be pretty stacked. Um, and they didn't make the playoffs this year, you know, kind of expected just with the way that they have been in that re rebuilding kind of state of mind. And um, I think like it's huge because I know there was going to be a lot of discourse. And I think like locking Jewel down is the first step in the many different things that Seattle can do in this upcoming offseason. If you do well in the draft, you can draft somebody really exciting. But then also you might be able to lure other, you know, free agents. I know there was some talk about like Skylar Diggins Smith potentially being somebody that Seattle could look at. Um, I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think, you know, like having Jewel now. Has, it's huge for who else they can attract. Yeah, well, I I have no idea what's going on with Skylar Diggins Smith just in general. So like, uh, just from a purely basketball perspective, I think it would work out great. Uh, just to for her playing next to Jewel, and I, Jewel's played with a legendary point guard most of her career. So why not get back to that very different type of player from Sue Bird, but still just would make that backcourt completely lethal. Uh, I I like what you said though. That's a great point because. If you're going to get back to contention, again, like I said, sooner, Jewel and these young pieces probably aren't enough. It's enough to get back to the playoffs, but it's not really – you're going to probably need to add another big piece, which, I, who knows, maybe they get the number one pick and maybe that piece is Caitlin Clark. But you're going to need to add at least one more star next to Jewel if you really want to get into championship conversation, uh, and, and this is going to help them do that. Yeah, um, especially on the front court side as well, too. I think they're going to be looking for another piece because they did lose Stewie uh, last year. Um, so I think, or this year, I should say, I don't even know what year it is anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like those are pretty big like players to lose. And, you know, like I just said, have, keeping Joel Lloyd was really good because I feel like if they would have lost her, that would have been another step backward, even if you would get like a fantastic pick in the lottery because you still need someone that's still anchoring the team. Um, but yeah, Jewel Lloyd signs extension with the storm. We'll move on to the next one because this was another player where if she hadn't signed an extension, I think there would have been a lot of questions about where she might end up. Clea Copper, who waited until seemingly the last second to sign that extension because there were waiting. She had like until tip off of that last game against the Sun, uh, where she was actually out with like a chronic toe injury. Um, that I don't know if that was just like a reason to just sit out the last game of the season or what was going on. Um, but she signs with Chicago also through two years. Kind of similar numbers to Jewel Lloyd, where, you know, per reporting from Annie Costabile, um, she has going to have $241,984 in that first year, which is exactly the same as Jewel Lloyd, and then $248,132 in year two through 2025. Um, that's huge because this entire offseason and season, the topic has been, this is cause team now. And the front office has very much put her you know, at the forefront of everything. And, you know, used to be James Wade that was kind of involved with that. But now he's just like mysteriously a Raptors assistant coach and is no longer part of this guy front office. But it seems like they still have that goal of like keeping Ka as the main player. And I think it's, it's huge that even with his departure, she still chose to re-sign with the Chicago Sky. Um, I'm going to be especially interested on like, who they retain on this roster after the season, after the season is over. Um, but all in all, another thing kind of like a parallel with Jewel Lloyd is 
keeping her there might also attract other people too. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on re-signing with the sky and then also kind of like waiting till the last minute to do so? Yeah, it, it is interesting that, you know, I wonder how those negotiations went down in terms of how sort of up to the brink they got. But like you said, like the sky, they probably are. This is going to help them bring someone in, which is something that I think they're going to need even more than the storm, because it's basically it's like the storm. You drew those parallels, except without the lottery pick. And some of the other pieces around her are not as young as what Jewel has around her. You're looking at the core of this team. You're talking about Courtney Williams, who's an unrestricted free agent, by the way. They, they may bring her back. Marina Mabry, Elizabeth Williams. These are players who are in their prime. It's not like they're aging, but... These aren't really players who are going to be better two or three years from now than they are now the way that Seattle is. So if you're Chicago, like if, if you want to be relevant and you want to be anywhere remotely a winning basketball team, you have to bring Kalia Copper back. That was the only way to do that. You don't have another path towards improvement, I don't think, outside of maybe bringing in some of those other free agents, which, like you said, is going to be a lot more likely if they can play next to a star like Kalia Copper, and, and they got some cap room. Maybe they let Courtney Williams go and, and bring someone else back. Maybe Dana Evans, who is a young piece that we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, moves into the starting lineup. So we'll see what happens. But this was like an absolutely imperative move, I think, for the Chicago Sky, considering that you're if you're you're you can either try to win or try to rebuild, and they don't have a great path to rebuilding right now, based on some of. Uh, like what their pieces currently are and what the draft picks that they have or more accurately don't have. So yeah. <laughs> you really need to try to win, which requires Kelly a copper. So big move for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's so funny, but it's, it's totally right. And I think, you know, the storm in the sky, I know people are complaining that like, Oh, we didn't get the drama of like the free agency part of it. But I think these two teams did what they needed to do. Um, and it will definitely benefit them um, going into the offseason and into their future. Let's move on to the last two. The first one being Benajah Laney. She signed an extension with the New York Liberty through the 2025 season. Uh, Cal, you have the numbers. Yeah, this is from the next. Uh, it's two years, 180K, 185K in each of the two years full protection which is a little bit of a pay cut we'll talk about this i think she's probably not going to be the only one that has to take a little bit of a pay cut on this team if they want to keep it together uh obviously we've we've seen other players do this as well it's not unprecedented at all in this league uh this current year 2023 she's making just over 200,000 about 202 so the 180 range is a little bit of a pay cut for her but i i suspect that it's something that she's more than happy to do if she can stay on, a, you know, somewhere that she loves playing, obviously, and also continue to play with superstars on a contender. Yeah, and I think stability is the key word here, where if you look at Lainey's career so far, it has been a little bit up and down. And I think, you know, she's kind of reiterated this too in media. I think she's finally found a place that she has a lot of trust in in New York and that she feels safe and in a good environment. And they are an elite team right now. We'll see what they do in the playoffs this year. We're also going to get to that in a little bit too. But yeah, a big thing is going to be, can you, how many pieces of this quote-unquote super team can you actually keep uh once the offseason rolls around i think you know what happens in the postseason might determine some of that so it's really really imperative that the liberty were able to work that out with her um kind of being like the first dice to roll or whatever the saying is um but no i think she's really important to what the liberty do she's part of the original like 
this is what the potential of the Liberty could be before they signed all those big names. So I'm really happy that she continues to have a home in New York. I really love watching her. She's one of my favorite players in the W. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty cool. We'll move on quickly to our last one. K-Mac, Kayla McBride of the Minnesota Lynx also signed an extension. Uh, before we get into her, Cal hit us with her numbers. Yeah, this is from the next as well. A uh, little bit higher numbers, 208K and 205K. Again, another two-year deal, full protection. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we look at the Minnesota Lynx where they made it to the playoffs this year. They're playing competitive again, but it's also kind of just like, what direction are they going in now, too? Um, so I think, you know, signing her, K-Mac is a vet. Um, signing, re-signing her, I think, is really good for them, too. I'm very interested to see what their offense uh, offense <laughs> off season not their offense i mean i guess sure you can you can work that into this conversation somehow too but i'm very interested to see how their off season looks like as well and kind of what they do in the postseason but also what they look like next year because they are also working towards a goal especially making the playoffs with you know the way the season started there was that whole like oh my god are they tanking conversation but they're not they are not tanking so uh yeah, I mean, that's kind of my reactions. I'm just kind of like very intrigued about what this team is trying to do and what they're trying to work towards. Yeah, definitely not tanking. And, and you're in a, a pretty good spot if you're Minnesota, I think, in terms of the future, because you have Nafisa Collier just entering her prime, a, a franchise cornerstone you can build around, which is why you bring someone like Kayla McBride back, because you need to surround Fee with these pieces where she can win during her prime, obviously you have two really promising rookies, the best pair of rookies other than maybe Leah Boston and Grace Berger, I think, uh, in the league in terms of Diamond Miller and Dorka Yuhas, who've showed a lot of promise. So it, and, and you got picks. So this is a team that can definitely build around Nafisa Collier and get better. Obviously, they are already had probably a better year than maybe some people expected this year. And, and I think if you look at the next couple of years, if they play their cards right this offseason, it's only going to get better. Yeah. So that's all super exciting. I'm curious to hear what you guys think about like which signing was most important and which team is going to benefit the most in the long term. So do let us know on social media. Uh, let's move on to our playoffs preview. Because we are arrived, like we've arrived at the first round of the playoffs, which is super exciting. Um, we'll go through each of the matchups. We'll start, I'm going to start in the order that the games are being broadcasted. So we'll start with Lynx versus Sun. Game one is on Wednesday, September 13 at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Um, I don't know the Canadian TV schedule yet for all the Canadians that listen to this pod. But I will be sure to post those on Twitter once I know. So uh, make sure you head over there. But it is on ESPN too. Let's talk about the Sun versus Lynx. The Sun won the regular. So let's put some back like background context. They won the regular season uh, three to one over the Lynx, and the, that one Lynx win that they had was very close. It was decided by four points. Um, so I think you know, Cal, like you probably agree with me on this that we're both kind of leaning towards the Connecticut Sun to win this. You know, being the number three seed, being as solid as they have been this whole season. So what is the key to this matchup for the Connecticut Sun to get that win over the Lynx? I think they need to pound the glass. I think, you know, even without Bree Jones for the latter part of the season, they have a pretty big edge on the glass against this Minnesota Lynx team who really, uh, they've done some other things well this year, but is probably the worst Minnesota Lynx rebounding team since 2009, statistically, which was the last time they didn't have Sylvia Fowles or Rebecca Brunson, the two, two of the top four rebounders in the league history, which 
doesn't mean the Lynx are, are terrible. It just means they don't have two of the top four rebounders in league history for the first time or forever. They're vulnerable here, and the Sun can really take advantage of that. The Lynx aren't a great transition team, so you don't have to worry about staying back in transition defense as much. The, the Lynx are going to, especially in the playoffs, I think, probably slow it down a little bit more anyway. So that affords you opportunities to crash the glass on offense. And if you're the Sun, I think you have to take advantage of that. Yeah, and then I guess like even bouncing off of that, because we'll talk about X factors as well, too. Like my X factor for the Sun is actually like Olivia Nelson Ogdota. Um, we talked about, you know, the loss of Bree Jones this season, and she's been kind of brought in and been given more minutes. And, you know, she had like the last game of the season was like, I think her best game this entire season. So that's incredibly good momentum to be going into the playoffs with. But yeah, like that's going to be like her size. Her presence is really important on this team. So she's definitely like my X factor. Obviously, you want like the core uh, group to perform well, but I think her her presence is going to be super important. But on the link side, um, I think for me, like the keys to the matchup is just going to be ball movement. Um, I think, you know, the way that Connecticut likes to play, their defense is going to be really well. And, you know, you are going to be looking for fee. Uh, I think that's like their main, obviously, like their MVP. And she is also my X factor for the links, but I think, you know, just being able to keep that ball moving and have other options, it might give the Minnesota links a chance. They have been really competitive this season at times. So, you know, I don't know if this will be a sweep. It might be a sweep, but we'll see. Do you have an X factor for the links? Yeah, I think it's going to be Kaylee McBride. And obviously, Nafisa Collier is the most important player. But if if you look at the the four games between these two teams and the three losses, Kaylee McBride was three for 11, four for 11, one for three. And that one win, which was without Nafisa Collier, by the way, in that game, uh, she was seven for 10. She went off, obviously had more opportunities, but really stepped up in terms of shooting the ball as well. And I mean, I mean, you know what you're going to get out of Nafisa Collier. I think Nafisa Collier is going to show up no matter what happens. If Kayla McBride can be that Robin to, to Fee's Batman, that's what you need, especially offensively, uh, if you're going to pull the upset. And, and anytime you're looking at pulling an upset, you need threes to go in. So Kayla McBride's a player who can do that. Um, and I also would like to mention that game two will be on Sunday, September 17 at 1 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Um, and if there's a game three, there will be a game three. But those are the first two games um, on the schedule on Wednesday and on Sunday. Links versus Sun. Make sure you tune in. All right. Next matchup. Sky versus Aces. Game one is Wednesday, September 13 at 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Those Pacific times be killing us, but still, <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, I don't know how you feel about this one, Cal. I think this one's probably gonna be a sweep. Uh, the Aces won the season series over the Sky three and zero, and it was never really that close. Um, and as a joke in my note, and I don't want to write off the sky too much. Like, let me just preface this by saying, I think they have a very talented roster. I think what they've done this season has been like, we've seen flashes of how good they can be. Um, but my keys to the matchup for them is like, pray <laughs> because it's a very, very, very hard. First notes, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was, I was thinking and I was like, there's things that I could say, but I also, I just, it, the aces are the aces and you know as much as they've shown that they've been human in the last like month of the regular season i think and this comes with like my keys to the matchup for them like the aces are just themselves i think this is pretty much a wrap but i'm curious to hear your thoughts on that 
Yeah, well, that kind of mirrors what I wrote down, jumping ahead a little bit for my key to the aces, which was just just show up, just show up and play basketball. That's all you have to do. But uh, I mean, in terms of the sky, that I first off, I need to say that I've been wrong a lot about the Chicago sky all year. <laughs> One more games than I thought they would. Every time I bet against them, I was wrong. They have to me like I I'm very nervous to to say anything like, oh, this is going to be an easy sweep because it's going to end up somewhere. And again gonna look wrong uh the sky did keep it within 15 points in all three of those games by the way one of them was a huge blowout and they sort of came back in the fourth quarter but uh mo- most teams had at least one 20 point loss to the aces sky didn't so give them credit where credit is due i could see them keep it one of these two games semi-respectable but this is this is a sweep this is definitely a sweep i just think that like the aces well, have we're too gonna much get talent. Yeah, we're going to get at least one sweep, and I think it's a yeah, pretty safe yeah. bet that this series would be I think that we'll, one sweep. I think we'll get at least two, but if, if there's yeah, one, it's I know. one. Yeah, if, if you had to guarantee, and I, again, it's okay, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm done predicting. <laughs> Let me just move on. Um, hey, you know the game, good thing, though, about predicting what? things is that we don't have any games Tuesday night that we're recording this, so no matter how wrong our predictions end up being, they won't be wrong by the time we release this pod, which is the first. <laughs> in the month that we've been doing this pod. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was writing uh, the show notes for this episode. I was like, thank goodness the the playoffs start on Wednesday and Tuesday when I'm recording. <laughs> There's nothing going on. Um, but Sky versus Aces, game one is on Wednesday. Game two will be Sunday, September 17 at 3 p.m. Eastern on ABC. So if you want a more time zone friendly time, um, you can definitely catch game two if you sleep through game one. I will be trying my best to stay up for it but who knows what will happen um but let's move on to mystics liberty and game one is friday september 15 at 7 30 p.m eastern on espn2 and in my notes i wrote oh brother for this one because i think there's been a lot of discourse about this matchup uh the mystics and the liberty went two and two on the regular season with the mystics very famously taking the first and the last game of the season against this team um and i think it's provoked a lot of conversation about oh are the liberty in trouble against the washington mystics just based on you know how the regular season has gone. And I think, you know, as much as you want to take away as much as you can from the last game of the season, I would also pump the brakes on that a little bit because I think the Liberty this late in the season are a different team than the Liberty we saw on opening night that that did get pummeled by the Washington Mystics. And I think, you know, the playoffs are a different atmosphere and we'll get into our keys of the matchup soon, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm really iffy on saying that the Mystics are going to upset the Liberty in this one. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I mean, that first matchup, we could throw it out the window because the Mystics were peak. They were healthy for about the only time all season. The Liberty were not. Obviously, they were, JJ was coming off that injury. They were still kind of developing chemistry. The last matchup, just a week ago, we can maybe read a little bit more into because that's basically the current version of these two teams. That being said, the Liberty led the league in three-point percentage, and somehow the Mystics outshot them from three in all four games. At some point, water is going to find its level there, so that's not something that I would be extremely concerned about if I'm the Liberty. You do have to worry about if, if you do have another cold game, even if it's only one of those two, you may end up having to go on the road and, and win game three in Washington, which is going to be really tough. So I wouldn't necessarily go the same route that I did with the aces in terms of, I just think this series is over, but 
I, I definitely think that the the regular season results that, that we see, and by the way, one of those two losses, the Mystics took to overtime, lost by one. So yeah. they were competitive even in, in the losses as well. But I, it's definitely something that I still would, I, I need to see it again from these Mystics in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and like, we'll, we'll go to keys of the matchup now where for me, like I have two, one is for the mystics staying healthy. Um, that's the biggest thing. I know Shakira Austin is still kind of doubtful with that hip injury. Not really sure if he's, if she's in or out, I know there hasn't been any update as of when we're recording, um, that might change on Wednesday. Not sure. And then my other key to the matchup and kind of the reason why the mystics were able to get that win against the Liberty at the end of the regular season was Elena Deladon's, uh, defense on Stewie. Um, it was very clearly not Stewie's night. She was having trouble with, um, you know, the size, what UDB presents. And that's why my my key to the matchup on the Liberty side is don't always, you don't always have to feed the ball to Stewie. If you're seeing that she's struggling, if you're seeing that it's maybe some of her shots aren't falling, there are other options on the team. And I'm not saying that, like, you shouldn't pass the ball to Stewie. You absolutely should. Because when she makes the absurd shots, she makes the absurd shots. Like, she is Stewie for a reason. But I think that now, like, you have, like, JJ, like, you have all these pieces who have developed over the season that can very well be a threat um, in this matchup against the Mystics. And I think as long as the Liberty don't revert to that, like, just get the ball to Stewie plan, I think they'll be able to come away with some more solid wins than they have over the Mystics this season. Yeah, well, and one of those other options that they can go to aside from Stewie is, is my X Factor. That's JJ. We've talked a lot about how well she's been playing uh, since the All Star break. But if you, I, I was digging into some numbers here, you know, the Liberty are 12 and 0, including the Commissioner's Cup, when JJ has a double double this year. They haven't lost yet. She has a double double. I like the one that time That's a great one. out of those four times that they played the Mystics, they beat them in regulation. JJ had 27 and 11 in that game with three blocks. In the other three games, she averaged eight and six. So JJ shows up. This team's fine. This team should have no problem with the Mystics. That's who they need to go to, establish her down low, especially if Shakira Austin is out. That's which, again, we don't know as of this recording. That's only more opportunity, I think, to establish JJ's dominance down low. Uh, and and she needs to come up big on the boards. And if if you like if you get peak JJ, I don't think the Mystics can win, even if they outshoot the Liberty again from three. I think if if JJ if we get the eight and six JJ, then maybe the Mystics have a shot. Yeah, no, I'm totally behind you on that. Um, so game one is this Friday, the 15th. Game two will be Tuesday, September 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Um, and make sure you stay tuned to her hoop stats throughout the week because there'll be lots of Mystics Liberty coverage heading your way. All right, let's move on to the last first round matchup, and that is the Atlanta Dream versus the Dallas Wings. Game one is set for Friday, September 15 at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Um, they played each other in the last game of the season, um, and the Wings won that game, and they won the entire season series 3-0. I know we've kind of talked about how we're like a little bit worried about the Dream, and I feel like that game also made me a little bit worried even more about the dream um i'm not sure and i and i don't think theoretically i don't think this matchup should be a sweep however if they play like that then there might it might be if the wings just play like so solid against the dream like they have been and you know like 
the players aren't showing up or something's going on, it could be a sweep. But I would lean, and my gut is telling me that, like, the Dream could still take a game in this series. But, like, what is your initial feelings about how this could go? The Dream could take a game, but they got to shoot well. They got to get good looks. They got to be patient in their offense and get good looks. You know, just not not necessarily just take the first thing available if it's not there. And then they got to knock it down. They the, the Dallas defense isn't necessarily anything to write home about this year. They've really made their living in transition in an offensive rebounding. They've only held eight teams below 40%, but three of those eight are the Atlanta Dream in the three matchups that they played against. So if you're like if you're gonna shoot below 40%, if you're the Atlanta Dream, you're not gonna win a game in this series. If you can get good looks and knock them down. I think you have a shot, especially if you can hold Arike down, because on the other end, like Arike, you know, similar type of deal to JJ in terms of uh, the wing's success. Shout out to Justin Carter, by the way. Go subscribe to the Her Hoop Stats newsletter. He had a piece in there today and brought up some of these stats about their record when Arike shoots really well and when she doesn't. Uh, in terms of field goal percentage, uh, I, I took it a little bit further with true shooting percentage because I'm the stats nerd. Uh, wings 0-8 when, when Arike is below 40% true shooting. 15 and three when she's above 53%. So this one, I, a, a lot of series and a lot of games come down to shot making. That's how basketball works. But I think this one in particular, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I had in my notes for the dream where, you know, they should focus on the shooting and on the ball movement. Um, you know, I think you're probably going to see a lot of like driving and kicking it out to the three um, in this series. And, you know, the dream, yeah. If there's a if there's a time to catch fire <laughs> with your shooting, uh, now's the time. So yeah, hopefully we'll see what happens. Uh, my X factor on Atlanta side is probably Alicia Gray, uh, Big Al. I love using that as her nickname. Um, I love like ever since I found out that was her nickname this year. I love saying Big Al. Um, but I think, you know, her ability to drive, but also just like kind of shoot from anywhere on the court. She's playing against her former team. I think, you know, she'll have some extra fire to She's my X factor for the dream. And then on the wing side, I think I would go Satu um, to just, you know, continue to play at the level that she's playing at, heavily being considered in the most improved conversation. But she's also been, in my opinion, the most valuable player of the Dallas Wings this year. So, yeah, those are my two X factors. Who are your X factors, Cal? Yeah, I love those. Uh, I actually have Arike for a lot of the reasons I just said on the wing. Mm -hmm. She needs to knock down shots. I do think Satu has been their most valuable player. And on the dream side, I have Cheyenne Parker. I think the wings, to me, are the best offensive rebounding team in the history of the WNBA. Uh, obviously, their offensive rebounding numbers aren't quite as high as some of those teams from the late 90s and early 2000s. That's because that's how the game worked back then. People crashed the glass more. But Compared to the era that they play in, I think they're the best. So Cheyenne Parker needs to come up big on the boards. And she has playoff experience. Out of the rotation who Atlanta is going to put on the court, the healthy rotation, you know, Cheyenne Parker won a title. Daniel Robinson's the only other player who's won a playoff series. So, And the Wings have been in the playoffs the last couple of years. It, it's really weird to me when I was sort of writing down these notes thinking, wait, is Dallas the more playoff experienced team in this matchup? Like, <laughs> we've been talking about Dallas on the other end of yeah. this for the last couple of years. But all of a sudden... Third straight year in the playoffs, they bring in Natasha Howard, multi-time champ. Now they are the more playoff experienced team in this matchup with the Dream. You're right. I didn't Cheyenne. think about that. That's yeah, crazy. It, it's, <laughs> it's weird, but Cheyenne Parker is the one exception to that. So I, I think that's yeah. going to be big. 
Yeah, I originally, I wrote, I typed out Cheyenne Parker, and then I figured, I think Cal's going to talk about her, so I, I decided <laughs> you know to put, I did know, yeah, we've, we've done it long enough. Uh, if you look like in like the doc history of my notes, you'll see that I wrote Cheyenne Parker first. Uh, but no, she, I think she also has like one of the highest usage rates on the Dream right now, like out of their, out of their roster that they've been using. So yeah, she's going to be super important. Um, game two will be on Tuesday, September 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Um, so that's the schedule for all the first round matchups as well as our preview. Let us know which of these four matchups, how many of them are going to be a sweep over under at like, I'll put it at like one and a half. How many sweeps are we getting if you were a betting person? If you're not a betting person, you just want to get some predictions in such so you can victory lap later. Totally fine with that. I've done my share <laughs> of victory laps before. Um, but let's move on to our last segment. Our award this week is going to be sixth player of the year. We're going to just talk about some candidates, um, some who we think should win it and some who we also think just should be in the conversation, might not necessarily win it, but deserve to have their flowers um, for what they've done for their respective teams this season. Um, Cal, do you want to kind of start off first with a candidate that you're interested in? Yeah, well, someone, uh, can I just get into my pick? Yeah, go ahead. Or are we going to dangle it? Are we going to dangle it? All right. Well, I, I didn't tell you who my pick was this time because I know you like to pick different than me. We're going to see if we do. But <laughs> I, uh, I'm i going with Alicia Clark in this one. I think when you look down the list at the other candidates who we're about to talk about, like if you're the Aces, would you trade Alicia Clark for any of them right now? Not, you know, this season? Uh, I, I think the answer is no. Right? I think Alicia Clark is the best basketball player this season, maybe not a few years from now, but this season out of any of those, she's a critical, critical piece to this Aces team, which maybe it's not fair to, in the same way that people talk about the MVP and like, oh, this player has a bunch of stars around her and this player doesn't, so this player is more valuable. Like, you could look at it that way for this award too, in terms of like, oh, the Aces bench has no one except for Alicia Clark. They're they're not deep at all. Some of these other benches are deeper. So Alicia Clark is a huge piece to this bench. And I don't know if that's fair to necessarily count that against other players who play on a deeper team, but I still just think what Alicia Clark has meant to this team on both sides of the ball, especially since Candace Parker got hurt. Uh, obviously like Jackie and Asia have improved some from last year, which is crazy to think Asia wasn't improved from an MVP season, but she did, I think, but I still think the biggest difference from last year's Aces team to this year's Aces team, which is better than the team that already won the championship last year is Alicia Clark bringing her in. And so to me, she's the sixth player of the year. Yeah. Um, I think right now she would also be my sixth player of the year. I think I have a close second. If you want me to go a different direction, like you mentioned, um, I would probably go with Dana Evans of the Chicago sky. Um, I think, you know, I've kind of been on her since the beginning of the season. Um, and I'm, I don't know if I would call it bias, but I think the fact that this guy and the Lynx were the two teams that came up here to Toronto to play in that game for the season, that was my first time sitting into a Chicago Sky practice. And just seeing the drills that they were doing for Dana, seeing how hard she worked, um, I think it gave me a little bit more of an inside perspective on what she is like as a player um, on both sides of the floor, both offense and defense. So, like, I could pull up her stats right now. I mean, out of all these um, – six player of the year candidates that we've been talking about. She technically has the best uh, points per game in terms of points per game. She has like nine points per game average on the season. Um, Alicia Clark has 6.7, just for reference. Um, Alicia Clark has been shooting better, but I just think overall 
the impact of Dana Evans cannot be talked enough about on the Chicago Sky team, especially, you know, with all the different pieces that they have and all different skill sets. She could bring value to any team, honestly. And I really love what she's brought to the Chicago Sky. I think she should be in consideration for sixth player of the year. Um, and I'd probably have her, honestly, like with the Sky being able to make the playoffs too, I'd probably have her as a close second right now to Alicia Clark, although Clark is my number one pick for this award. Yeah, Dana Evans might be one of the biggest reasons that I've been wrong about the Sky a lot this year. She's uh, <laughs> been so impressive. So shout out to her. She's she's uh, she's shown big improvement, obviously, and she will be a starter at some point in her career. But I, I like yeah. that one, though. Yeah, uh, we'll go through some other candidates just to have them in the conversation. Uh, Dijanae Carrington is somebody that is, has been in the conversation. And when I went to look back at how many games she played, she actually didn't miss as many as I thought she did. I don't know why in my head, like when she got injured, she, like she missed. She played 32 games this year. So like she actually didn't really miss um, as many games as I thought in my head. But um, no, she was also good. I think, you know, she, with Dijanae, she was kind of like, the places that she would slot herself in did really well for what the Connecticut Sun needed um, on both ends of the floor. Like she could crash the glass and play good defense and also, you know, come in and shoot the ball whenever she needed to make plays. And she's been really impressive too. Definitely deserves to be in the conversation. Um, we also have, you know, on the Liberty, I think if I had to go with this, with a sixth player of the year, it'd probably be Kayla Thornton. Um, I think, yeah, and I didn't include her stats because her the stats don't reflect the impact that she's had on this team. When the Liberty needs somebody to come in and kind of pick up the defense, they put in Kayla Thornton. And she has been so, so crucial um, to kind of keeping that team together and letting them go on runs and just to the overall flow um, of the basketball that they're playing. So she would be my sixth player of the year on the Liberty if I had to choose someone from that team Um I've just been super impressed with her. She could also just come in and knock down a three whenever you like, if you need one. And so, yeah, no, she's for sure. Um, and I know Cal, you had somebody else that you wanted to include in the conversation that I totally didn't forget about before we recorded. Totally didn't forget. <laughs> I, I did. Well, no, I love Kayla Thornton. She's she's the glue, I think. And, and the Liberty have also maybe the the most fun bench player if we had that award is Maureen Johannes without yeah. question but uh the the other one i wanted to throw in there is kalani brown she started five games came off the bench most of the year uh, a big reason why i think the wings are the best offensive rebounding team ever is that they basically get 40 minutes of that because when tier mccallan goes to the bench kalani brown comes in and uh obviously it's it's sort of uncommon to see that type of size and, and that just that type of player in 2023 basketball is is sort of a throwback but it's worked for them this year and Kalani Brown has has really presented some problems for for opposing teams especially opposing teams when they get into those second units I think in terms of rebounding and just her size in the paint so she's someone that I wanted to throw in there as well I, I actually I should have looked up the stats I don't have them but I want to say she leads bench players eligible players for this awards in rebounds per game I I could be wrong about that. Um, I I was unprepared. Yeah. I'm not as prepared as Cree for these things. That's my bad. I mean, like Loki <laughs> forgot about her right until he recorded. Even though <laughs> I I meant to put her in the notes, um, but no, it slipped my mind. But uh, not to like compare it to like the men too, but like you know this is you know what this is just my weekly Raptor comparison. But 
like when when the Raptors had uh, Marcus All and Serge Ibaka in 2019, and Nick Nurse just decided at one point during the 76ers series to just put both of them in at the same time instead of using them to replace each other. Like if LT did that with Tierra McCallan and Kalani Brown. <laughs> I would lose my mind, and I totally 100% support it and back it up. Oh, um, let's I see it. That game would hit 200 up. points if that happens, because <laughs> neither be, team is going to be able to guard each other at that point. That would be incredible. Um, just incredible entertainment, incredible everything. But uh, no, I just wanted to add that as an aside. But yeah, those are kind of our candidates for sixth player of the year that we wanted to talk about. Both picked Alicia Clark. I think Dana Evans should definitely be there in consideration. Um, same goes for Dijanae Carrington, too. Honestly, I think she should be up there as well. Um, but, yeah, I also wanted to give some love to Kayla Thornton and Kalani Brown and what they've, you know, contributed to each of their teams this year. Um, and with that, I think we're good to wrap this up. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I did want to give a shout-out to – I kind of shout-out something from her hoop stats every week, but I wanted to give a shout-out to – our photographer, Chris Poss, I think, you know, the photos that he's done all year, you like kind of see it in some of our episodes. They're kind of incredible. Um, and I'm excited to see more of his work uh, throughout the playoffs with the sun. I, I think he's based in Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken, just based on the pictures that I've seen. I believe that is true. Yep. Yes. Um, so no, his work is incredible. Make sure you're going and following and see all his WNBA pictures. I really, really enjoy seeing them. So I just want to give him a quick shout out. You can find us on social media at her hoop stats. Find myself on Twitter at Karina MM. You can find Cal on Twitter at Wetzel 31 um, And make sure you tune in next Wednesday because we will be very deep in the playoffs by then. We're going to have more awards talk. We're going to tackle the MVP and MIP conversation. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, anything else you want to say before we wrap it up, Cal? I'm just, I, I love doing this. This is so fun. And uh, I'm so excited for the playoffs, the awards, playoffs, contract extensions. We have so much going on right now. It's WNBA is in peak form. Everyone should be watching. Every game from here on now is on national TV. I don't know about you guys in Canada. I hope you get it. Every, every for United States, yeah, it's all like, national it TV. It should so, be so because it's the playoffs, and they kind of did this in the last day of the season too. It should be on like the TSN and Sportsnet channels. You know, for the Canadian listeners that are either watching or listening to this. Um, but yeah, like I said before, go to my Twitter. I'll be posting the TV schedule every single game day once I know. Because like for some reason they don't have those ahead of time. Like I only find out the day of the games. So yeah, I'll be I'll be sure to post all that so that you can find the games and make it be more accessible. But yeah, they should be more on our national TV too, which is pretty cool. All right, um, that's all from us. Thanks for going coast to coast with us, and we will see you next Wednesday.